Today is July 31st. The Pirates take their second series in a row. This is not a fantasy podcast. It actually happened. Special guest today. This should be a lot of fun. You're listening to the Bridge to Bucktober podcast. Yins guys, thank you for listening to the Bridge to Bucktober podcast where we talk all about them Pittsburgh Pirates and that. My name is Josh and I am joined by a very special guest here today, my friend Ryan Stroop. Not your brother Jake. Not my brother Jake. Now you know. Now there is a P on both of our hats. This is the first thing that if you're an audio only listener that you should know, it is not a Pirates P across the table from me. Nope. Still black though. It is. I like the black and white a lot. Yeah, me too, man. So Ryan is a Philadelphia Phillies fan, guys. Yep. Philadelphia Phillies. My entire life. First ever memory that I had, sports memory, growing up was sitting on my grandparents' recliner watching Mitch Williams give up the home run to Joe Carter. Six years old. (laughs) I started off just in such a bad way as a Philadelphia sports fan, man. You started off? The exact way that you needed to, to be a Philly, <laughs> Philly sports fan. Is that correct or not? Yeah. Oh, man. It they is were like, wait, correct. we've got a new fan, so let's crush his dreams real quick so he understands what the rest of his life is about to be like. Yeah, and then we just decided we were going to be awful for another 15 years, too. It was awesome. <laughs> oh, this is going to be fun. This is going to be fun. So let's talk about uh, let's talk about Ryan for a minute yeah you grew up like right there like yeah. you're in basically in philly right yep i grew up about 30 45 minutes northwest of philly everything was philadelphia sports growing up there Love it was that. awesome so uh we've met we live in the same town we go to the same church yep. those sort of things we play a lot of softball together yep um and we've found out over the last couple of years that we're really good at escape rooms. That's very true. We escape at a 100% rate. <laughs> that is 100% accurate. <laughs> I will uh <laughs> I will throw the uh I, what do you call it? Um why am I why am I blanking on this? I'm I'm like I just find things. I don't figure anything out. <laughs> He's a searcher. A I'm, searcher. I am the searcher, the finder, right? Uh, Ryan's wife, Liz, I, I consider to be like the brains of the whole thing. Like she's the, she's the leader. Yep. (laughs) Very strong escape. I spend the entire time just being like, Hey Liz, what do you think about this? I found this. Could this be a thing? And she's just like, just let the big boys play. I'll let you know when I need you. (laughs) But we are three for three. Yeah. And that last one was pretty awesome. It was pretty awesome. Super automated. Yeah, Yeah. I like that. That's my kind of thing. Yeah, man. Although at the end. I did say you got a lot of magnets, and he tried to pass that off. But you saw in the email that you got, he had forty magnetic sensors. Yeah, dude, that's a magnet. Yeah, <laughs> why he you was, gotta? He was trying to talk a little like, well, they're not just magnets. <laughs> I mean, you could tell you could tell that this was his baby, though. It was yeah. his life's work. Yeah. He was so proud of the art that he created, and it was it was probably one of the most slick escape rooms that I have ever been to. But you could really tell that he loved it. Yeah, so I will also say, if I'm going to brag, which I'm not, I have only ever done <laughs> three escape rooms in my life, Yep, all with you guys. Yep. So I'm 100% accurate, too. I don't know where your guys' is actual... Because um, you've done a lot. We have done a fair amount. Uh, we have done our best with you guys. Oh, yes. Yeah, we've probably not escaped about four or five times, but... I think it's all about knowing the people that you're with and finding your positions. And we needed a searcher. Yeah. That was you. Hey. And we needed Katie to be a little bit on edge. Yeah. That yeah. helps. She's she's very afraid. Very smart. So I think her and Liz can do the puzzle part of it, right? right? Katie's very scared. I mean, Katie does have a sense of urgency when she's doing it, though. She's like, this is making me anxious. I got to yeah. get out of here as quick as possible. There's no messing around with her. No. No, it's pretty funny. All right, so our team's got the opportunity to play a series, and we won. 
Dude, I never, <laughs> never did I ever think that I'd be sitting across from this table with you, with the Phillies having a three-game series against the Pirates, with Zach Wheeler, Aaron Nola, and they had a game where they had a no-hitter into the fifth inning, and they still lost the series. Yeah. Like, I feel like I'm in a fever dream right, right now. This didn't happen. <laughs> well, Pirates fans just won two series in a row, so we feel like it didn't <laughs> happen as well. <laughs> We feel like it didn't happen as well, especially when like we understand the Padres and the way that they're playing right now. Yeah. However, if you just look at this from, you know, whatever they say, 50 feet, you know what I mean? The, the, the Padres and the Phillies are both teams that came into the year with like, we could go back to the world series or we could go to the world series. Yep. So, I mean, you got to play the games. I will. I will say though, uh, for as bad as I feel about the Phillies, the fact that they are still only what after losing uh, this last game, still a half game out of the wild card. Like I feel so bad about the way that the Phillies are playing, but to still know that they are right there, I mean that that's a lot more to say than the Padres. It's a lot more to oh, say than the yeah. Mets. <laughs> that's right. Yes. Um. Yep, half game out. Yep. Half game out. Big three-game series against the Marlins coming up. And and you know what? Like, that Milwaukee-Cincinnati, like, you're right there with them. Yep. So, knowing the Central, like, you have a, still a legitimate shot. Like, this is still yep. well, right and, there. And the Phillies, I mean, they still have a ton of their games in the second half that are at home. They don't have teams that collective winning percentages are super high for the rest of the season. So, I mean, the stage is set for them to get back into the playoffs, but not the way that they played this past weekend. They tried to do everything humanly possible to lose every game that they could. I think if I were you, I'd be more nervous about the Diamondbacks. I'm nervous about the Diamondbacks. By the way, I was wrong. Four-game series against the Marlins makes it more important. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I am far more nervous about the Diamondbacks. I mean, frankly, I'm far more nervous about the Reds too. There's just something to say about baseball when you have teams that don't realize they shouldn't be good and then they're good. It's dangerous, man. But for the Reds and the Brewers to both be there, I'm not sure that it finishes that way. Yeah. One of them will fall away. Yeah. But they don't get to beat up on each other like they like they used to they're, last year. Well, they're and they're done. They've already played all the games against each other for the season. So that is kind of interesting. Yeah. All right. So about the series, do we want to get into the series? I want to. I would give this up to you. Do you want to go right into the series, or do you want to hear about, <laughs> about the scoreboard stuff and just get that thing out of the way? Uh, we might as well just get that out of the way. <laughs> uh, the the pirate scoreboard operator had a little bit of fun. In this series. I don't know if it was all today. I only saw this come up today. Um, let's see what we want to, let's see what we want to go after. Uh, obviously they mentioned the championships, Steelers six, Pirates five, Penguins five, Eagles one, Flyers two, Phillies two. I mean, scoreboard, right? Yeah, yeah. I can't, I can't argue with that. Yeah. It's on there. I mean, those are facts. Being a Philadelphia sports fan is a tragedy. Yeah. I mean, I, I get it. Calendar year, we went to two championships, lost them both. I'm aware. <laughs> okay, so the one I really want to bring up, and I, I I sent you a screenshot of this earlier today. Sheets is better than Wawa. That's just obvious. Unequivocally false. It's not. Yeah. It's so true. Yeah, man. I, I implore you, I have not looked this up, but I ask you to look up yearly rankings of the best convenience stores in the United States, and Wawa routinely <laughs> wins that. I went, to, uh, I went to a show not too long ago uh, in Pittsburgh, like right after COVID. So this was like a, well, not right. I guess it was like one of the first shows I went to afterwards the juliana theory yeah anybody here knows the juliana theory yep now they're from the pittsburgh area and they basically made a statement about their band um where everything that they've done in the career of their band essentially started at sheets (laughs) he's like if we went on a tour we all met at sheets so everything started there and then we went from that place to the next 
And he made a comment. I think he said something like, I mean, the, the title of the song certainly wasn't this, but I'm pretty sure the title of his song was uh, Sheets is Better Than Wawa. <laughs> and, then, and then they played a song, which it was probably like love song or something, right? Yep, but <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> That's what he said. So, um, And Juliana Theory is a good band, right? I like Juliana Theory, but I would stack up Philadelphia bands against <laughs> Pittsburgh bands and say Philly bands are yeah, better. Yeah, that's, that's fair. I could name two right now that... That would that would just stop me without you. August yep. Burns Red. Yep. Uh, we're they're done. Yep. <laughs> I don't, care. don't don't need to go on, man. <laughs> I don't have much else <laughs> that I care about. Those who fear was good, man. But anyway, the sheets is better than Wawa. That's that was a good one. I don't know. There's probably a lot out there. I have not. Uh, I've not seen very many other ones. There was a few other ones I thought that weren't just the championship ones, but I can't remember. There was one about Pitt, and then they brought up like Penn State. Well, Penn State isn't it's a not really school. a Philly thing. Yeah, but then they said we couldn't even find Temple. Well, that's because they're looking in the wrong place. You want to ask about Villanova? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know what they were doing there. I mean, Villanova has a lot more championships in college basketball in the last seven, eight years. I, well, the, the one I the one I'm referring to, I don't think had anything to do with sports. I think it was just like a top twenty five school or something. I oh. don't really know. Got it. I don't really know. What about Penn? Yeah, I don't know. Ivy League, bro. Yeah, it's in the Philly area. There you go. I mean, Duquesne or not? Here's Duquesne, the thing: Drexel, LaSalle. In, in September, Citizens Bank Park has an opportunity. Yeah, and I would expect them to seize that opportunity. I mean, here's here's the deal about <laughs> here's the deal about Philadelphia. Okay, uh, we we're not impartial on who we hate. <laughs> we hate everybody. I mean, saying we want to fight you is a form of a compliment in Philadelphia. It's just it's just what we do. So, I mean, we're equal opportunity haters with everybody. And I and honestly, I think one of the biggest reasons that there is a Philadelphia and a Pittsburgh thing is because they're both blue collar towns mm-hmm. and Philly's just like that's our thing. Yeah. Don't try to steal our thing, bro. <laughs> We're more blue collar than you are. Uh, and that's the way it would feel, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I'm trying to find this other one because I said something about going to the game. And and it was it was something about like, hey, we were gonna go to the game. We decided when we looked at the weather that we could that we didn't want to go. And I have to find this right here. So thought about going to the game Saturday. Last two games have been in a rain delay, which you were, were you there for one of the rain delays? No, that was with Jake. Yep. We did not have a rain delay when we went. Mm-mm. It was a very nice day. It was a very great day. Very okay. pleasant. Um, Saw the forecast, said never mind. And then somebody <laughs> responded and said, and Philly fans suck. And this was before, obviously, before we, we had talked about maybe doing this. And I said that I have... uh that I have a close friend who's a Philly fan from Philly, and he might agree with you. <laughs> I, Philly fans are not for the faint of heart, but also it's not like they just go and they sit idly by and just let everything happen. Yeah, uh, I saw I saw something about Eagles fans at some away stadium that they were traveling to, and someone said, Eagles fans are so stupid. The amount of times that they spelled Eagles during this game, we get it. You know how to spell. But, I mean, (laughs) Philly fans don't just show up and just fold their hands and just say, all right, it is what it is. And Philly fans, for all sports, travel really well. Like, I remember, I think it was uh, the second game of the series, um, the last the last batter, the amount of standing that was happening from Pittsburgh fans and Philly fans, like yeah. I was anticipating in that moment being able to hear an equal amount of cheering and groaning depending on the outcome of that at bat. Yeah. There was a lot. Yeah. Uh Steeler fans travel well. Yeah. Pirates fans <laughs> maybe when we're good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right now, maybe not uh, as much, but we do. There's actually a Pirates fan from our town. It was just in San Diego for that trip. Um, but anyway, I, I did say that uh, he would probably agree with you, and I think it's intentional. <laughs> I think yep, sometimes they is. intentionally suck. <laughs> yep. Yes, they do. <laughs> uh, okay, so let's get into the series because we won. You did. 
Um, I, I, I have, this is funny. So every time, if anybody's been a long time listener of this, anytime we've done a two person podcast in person, I'm not sitting at my battle station. I have all the tabs up for all the games Yep. with all the box scores. Yep. But that's over there. I've got them right here. Okay. So, uh, get started with Friday as I pull them up. Friday, two to one, Zach Wheeler. <laughs> Threw a gem. Yeah. Kyle Schwarber <laughs> won the game for us. That's all it was. That's it. Yeah. Zach Wheeler's throwing like an ace. Yeah. I'm good with that. Yeah. And you know what? We had a conversation early about Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned that Zach Wheeler was like your guy. And I'm like, what about Aaron Nola? And you had a lot of questions. And maybe, we'll, <laughs> well, we will. We will talk about that. Yeah, and obviously, two to one. I mean, our guy, Mitch Keller, going in that game, yep. and we kind of felt the same thing. He was really in need of a bounce-back start after his last couple that were um, you know, not what we would expect from Mitch Keller. I believe nine and three at some point. He's now nine and seven, if you care about wins and losses. Um, the ERA had gone over four after the last one. It's back down under. Eight strikeouts, but he still doesn't get through six innings. Um, I still feel like it was it was there were things that were better from Keller in that game. Zach Schwarber is going to or Zach Schwarber, Kyle Schwarber is going to get you. Yep. <laughs> so eventually that's going to happen. But I thought it was good. Yeah, I mean the if I were if I were to talk about one of the prototypical Philadelphia Phillies issues right now. I mean, we're going back to something like the fourth inning in that game. They they just got a two-run lead the inning before. They get bases loaded with one out, and the Phillies have been horrendous this year with the bases loaded, with runners in scoring position, situationally hitting, and getting people in. The amount of times that the Phillies had the bases loaded, had opportunities that were threatening throughout this entire series and not capitalizing on it was mind-numbing. And that's been a pretty consistent theme throughout the entirety of the series for the or the entirety of the season for the Phillies. We would call that pirating your way out of an inning. <laughs> yep. Because <laughs> we we have the same the same problem. Yeah. Essentially. <laughs> Just all the time. Uh Pirates, one for four in this game with runners in scoring position, which means that Zach Wheeler was very good. Yep. We had four people in scoring position in this game. So um, let me ask you, well, let's let's get into, let's keep moving. Let's keep moving to the next game because I just said what I said about Aaron Nola. And then we have four and two thirds, five earned runs. Uh, we had the the Harper error in there to to cause a couple runs harper's been fine at first right yeah i think that was his first error that he's had since playing first base yeah i mean he's he's a really good ball player he's a good athlete he picked it up yeah and i mean jake brings this up all the time he was a catcher yep and i think that a lot of people forget that and like i said jake brings it up literally all the time because he talks about henry davis Mm -hmm. and saying like yeah remember bryce harper was a catcher and I just feel like as as catchers go into first base, that seems like a pretty like natural thing. I know it's not fielding ground balls, yep. which is where he had the error. Um, but like other than that, he could pretty much handle it. If you were a catcher, I feel like you're set up to do corners. Yep. Especially somebody as athletic as as Bryce Harper is. Yep. But um Aaron Nola. So I'm just going to take a big sip of this really quick. Okay. <laughs> I still came into this year saying, he's your ace, he's your stud, he'll bounce back. He's now at a 443. Yeah, so um, I needed a little bit of confidence juice. Uh, I have some Turkey Hill uh, strawberry kiwi lemonade that I stock up on every time I go to eastern Pennsylvania <laughs> because Turkey Hills are around central Ohio, but they do not have the flavored lemonades. Okay? okay. So bring in a little... F- little Philly here. Um, it It is really difficult for me to speak negatively about Aaron Nola because 
of how bad the Phillies have been with producing good players from their farm system that are making a difference on their big league club. Aaron Nola was one of the only ones that came up through their farm system that did something of worth, that had a long track record with it. But my goodness, have I never seen a pitcher look more dominant, have more swing and miss stuff, have such a low whip, and have such a high ERA. And he just gets beaten up with a couple of bad pitches a game, given up multi-run home runs, given up home run. Like, I think he's given up 24 home runs already this year. Nailed it. That's, that is nuts to me. Um, and he just, it's so hard for him to avoid bad innings. And I think he's he's a guy, and I also think that Zach Wheeler had some struggle with this, with dealing with the pitch clock, where Nola hasn't been operating at his pace. I mean, you go back, especially that game where, I mean, they spotted him a three-run lead. I mean, now granted, the first run that they gave up was a home run to Piguero, um, which I love him, by the way. He's, yeah. aw- he's well, awesome. We'll talk about it next. Yeah. yeah. Um, but they spotted him a three-run lead. Uh, they gave up two runs, and then I think it was that next inning where the wheels started to fall off a little bit for him where he gave up two runs, and the Phillies had a an inning where they were batting where they went one, two, three really quick, and it took them like four minutes to get through the inning. And Nola just comes back out, lays an egg, gives up four runs that inning, and that's all she wrote. And that's become an all too familiar story watching Aaron Nola. It's frustrating. Hmm. He has the stuff. It's frustrating that he can't put it together. Yeah. Free agent next year, right? I don't know. I think that's what it looks like. Earliest free agent, 2024. And now again, classic Philly thing. Um, I would much rather complain about him and still have him on my team than let him go to somebody else and be really good and beat us up. Yeah. <laughs> but again, gluttons for punishment, you know? This is age 30 season. I, I, It's really been like back and forth, a little bit better early on. Yep. I mean, he's... 17 he's and had... 18 were both good, but then it was like up a little bit, down a little bit, and then up a lot, and then down a lot. So it's, I don't know, man. And he's been he's been a workhorse for the Phillies too. I mean, yeah. you don't you don't find a guy minus the minus the shortened season in twenty twenty who's getting you close to two hundred innings a year. Um, yeah. And he's done that now, which will probably be uh, minus twenty twenty one too, where he's going to be at two hundred innings again for the fourth time in really six years that matter. You well, know? yeah, and 30, 30 plus starts. Yep. Since twenty eighteen, every year yep. except for twenty twenty. Yeah. yeah, I I still think there's something there. He's obviously, he's obviously very good, but he's uh, it is. It's a bit of a mixed bag, and he's not a guy like that. Cannot be an ace. Yep. Still could be a great number two. You look at his postseason. <laughs> First two outings were awesome. Yep. Second two, not so much. He right now is not who I would quantify as a Phillies stopper. They're going yeah. through a skid. They know Aaron Nola's got the ball. We know that they're going to get back on track and they're going to get a W. I'm looking at people like Zach Wheeler now, or I'm even looking at people like Ranger Suarez. Ranger Suarez got that DNA. Hmm. Um, he showed a ton in the playoffs, and I mean it. It was a shame this year that he started the season hurt a little bit, but he's a guy who I have intense amounts of confidence in when he gets on the when he gets on the hill. I really struggle every time I watch Nola. I'm thinking, oh no, is this going to be the inning where it all falls apart? Mm-hmm. I wonder how many of us will have that type of feel with a guy like Mitch Keller, who looks like he's he's turned a corner and he is going for a Cy Young, and then just goes through these times where you're like, man, it's just not there. And there's days he looks good and still has that inning. And 
I wonder if Mitch Keller will ever like entirely flip that switch and just become the ace that we think that he can be. But when I watch a guy like Aaron Nola, it makes me nervous that maybe he'll just be a really, really good pitcher, but not the guy you can count on. Yeah. Well, I mean, what really good pitchers have you guys had in the last 10 to 15 years that you relied on to be the guy and now they're no longer pirates? Yeah. I mean, well, that's big, obviously. I'm going to Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole. But I mean, it's a, it's a mix. To me, that's the big one because most of the other ones were Liriano and yeah. AJ Burnett in that, in that window. You know what I'm saying? And so, like, Jamison Tyone could have been, but mm-hmm. it just never felt like it all came together for him with the injuries and everything. And so, yeah. And it's a, it's a mixed bag. I mean, Keller's still young, 27 years old. Um, he's on track to have the most innings pitch that he's had in his t- entire career this year. And I think that he has opportunity where, I mean, he's in charge of a staff. I mean, he is the guy for the Pittsburgh Pirates. And he's not going to be in a position where he's going to have that same type of pressure at this age right now to really see if he's got that medal to be the guy. Uh, the shame, the shame is, is if he ends up turning it on and being that guy, is he a guy that sticks around in Pittsburgh? Right. Yeah. And that's the next, uh, that's one that we're talking about a lot right now. Like we need to find out, is he extension worthy? Yeah. Uh, for him and Skeens to make that push together as one, two. Yep. And it'll be interesting to see. So in that game that Aaron Nola, Aaron Nola pitched, uh, Quinn Priester on the other side, six walks, but like there was a lot of good in there too. Yep. <laughs> and I just felt like he has not put together a complete start yet. And just kind of waiting for that. Just kind of waiting for that complete start. Well, and did he did he go back out for the sixth yeah. and get yanked? Yeah, yeah. Just felt like, I mean, I think they allowed him to load the bases. Yep. And didn't the didn't the Phillies get one run off of that? Yeah, that was that was one of those innings where he's bases loaded, nobody out, and you only get one run. Yep, classic out Phillies. Of the bases loaded. Um, I'm I'm scrolling here. I mean, everything everything that was running through my head when Priester went back out in the sixth inning was when we were at Roosters and you were talking about Quinn Priester having his first start and having a good start, and then you drive away and you say, what happened? When did he give up seven runs here? And all I was thinking the entire time was, guys, this is the time. He has the lead. Let him feel good about this. No need to put him back out there. He threw five good innings. He's in line for the W. Yeah. There's no need to put him back out there. Had a four-run inning already. Yep. So he gives up the single to Stott and then walks Real Muto and Turner. They go to Barucki, and I am I have no idea where I am with Barucki right now. I feel like he's pitched in some big moments, and it's been okay. He strikes out Rojas. How do we get two outs here? Oh, no, I'm sorry. Marsh grounds into a force out. They they go home. There's only one out to get. Um, he goes home to Andy for the force out. They they can't double him up. He gets the strike out to Rojas. It feels like we're getting out of this. And then and then he walks in a run and then strikes out Castellanos. Yep. Actually, no, no, they went and got Holderman. He strikes out Castellanos. Well, I mean, let's let's talk about another Phillies thing. Um Check out my surprised face that he struck out Nick Castellanos right now. <laughs> <laughs> I man, I I've really been debating about this, but man, Nick Castellanos and Trey Turner right now are like guys that just got broken up with. They're at a party right now and they're taking swings at every single girl without any sort of idea <laughs> of whether or not they're a good girl for them, and they're striking out every single time. They are just swinging at everything. Like, I that was another thing I was trying to keep my head on whenever there was pitching changes throughout the series. Like, what is the idea or what is the thought process behind guys like Nick Castellanos and Trey Turner right now for other teams? 
And I don't think that there's any respect. I think they're looking at those guys of like, we're happy to pitch around other people to get to them because we know that they're not going to swing good pitches. It's, hmm. it's infuriating. Trey Turner, man, I thought that was the move of the offseason. Yep. <laughs> I really did. Yep. All right, so um, I've got one more that we just in general here, but for this game, uh, you had mentioned something before we while we were getting things set up and everything, and I I wanna I wanna kind of do this for 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 our listeners who we watch these guys day in and day out. We've been watching them come up through the minors. This is we've got a lot of young guys right here, and in this game in particular, Andy Rodriguez goes two for four, has four RBIs. Leover Pagero gets three hits, has a couple RBIs of his own. Pagero goes deep. Andy has a a double and a, and a triple. Uh, I don't, I don't know how they labeled that a triple. Myself, that was a single and an error, but they yep. didn't give it to him. Um, but either way, um, I mean, the RBIs are going to be there regardless. What did you see uh, out of maybe these guys? And I mean, we're going to talk about Davis. Uh, there was a play in this game where Harper hits a single. He throws Harper out. There's a play in in, in Sunday's game that we'll probably talk about a little bit more there, but like maybe those three guys. And if anybody else, just from, from a very small, you watch these players for three games. Yep. Where are you at? Yeah. I really like the way that Andy Rodriguez swings the bat. I really do. I love the way that Piguero carries himself. Um, he keeps the bat through the zone for a really long time. Um, and Henry Davis, ooh man, I I see major shades, especially athletically, with Henry Davis to JT Real Muto. I don't I don't see another guy who is a catcher in the major leagues that has that same type of athletic build and archetype as JT Real Muto does. Um, especially just seeing Henry Davis run up and down the line, be on the base paths. Um, he's He's nasty, man. I mean, he didn't he didn't swing it really good the series. No, he's in a little bit of a little bit of a slump there. But he's never looked he never looked like he was overmatched. Uh, he looks like he belongs. And I mean, I also have a soft spot for catchers. I mean, I think catchers are the smartest players that are on the field. You were a catcher. I was. Yeah. Regardless, <laughs> regardless of what position that they're playing in. But I mean, I think. I really like those guys. I was I was actually really excited in Game Three when I saw Piguero play in shortstop, because um, I really liked him in Game Two of the series and was really thankful that he was getting a shot to play uh, in that position because I know that that's kind of been a rough position for you guys to fill with O'Neill Cruz out uh, out this year. So it's good to see young guys. I mean, especially he's twenty two. It's good to see a guy like that who has confidence, who's swinging the bat well get opportunities to see what he's got. Yeah. Yeah, and Piguero looks like a guy that that will hit um, a lot of errors in the minors, but I have not really been discouraged by anything I've seen defensively from him. And to be honest with you, the double play that ended that game, uh, the arm strength on that double play made that play happen. Yeah. Where we've got a couple guys... I don't know if we get that double play. Yeah. And so well, I it was mean, nice. Speaking of that, that was Real Muto who grounded into that double play. Mm, he runs yeah. up the line well. Yeah. Like I it was bang bang. Yeah. I there was a moment when that happened where I was like, he might beat this out. We might have tied the game. And that was a really good play. Really good turn. And off of Bednar with 30 pitch, uh one and two thirds of an inning save. On the bobblehead night, it just kind of was, you know, the way that it was going to go. I mean, can we, guy. can we give it up for Bednar, though, too? Man, five-out save that game, 30-plus pitches, and that, then they bring him back again for game three. Yeah. Man, he's, he Dominant. is a, he is really good. Mm-hmm. You think you guys are going to trade him? Uh, no, no, I don't think. I think, so, Sherrington... It, Sherrington will always listen. Yeah. 
he's got a thing where he's like, if somebody calls me, I'm not going to hang up the phone. We had this conversation like 600 times before Reynolds signed his extension. He doesn't hang up the phone on anybody. If you're stupid enough to give me what I need mm-hmm. to, to part with a guy like this, then be that dumb. But nobody has been so far. Yeah. Nobody was able to pry away Reynolds from Sherrington and and Nutting. We don't we don't I mean like nobody likes Bob Nutting, right? But the thing is is every once in a while he has a guy that he really likes. And other than that, he mostly just stays out of baseball. Mm-hmm. He's just there, not spending money. But he doesn't make a lot of decisions, it seems. But like Reynolds was one of his guys. He wanted him to stick around. He told Sherrington to get it done. Um, whatever it takes kind of a thing. I can't imagine that David Bednar is not one of those guys being from Pittsburgh. Yep. The the electricity at that park on Saturday night and the lines that I that people were telling me about um, just to get the David Bednar bobblehead. I mean, that guy's like, we're going to make a lot more money so long as he's on this team. And if that's all he cares about, which is what a lot of us uh, criticize about, I feel like he's going to be in Sherrington's ear saying, you better not get rid of this guy. So I I really don't know. I think him and Keller right now, it was a, we're listening, but I think for the most part, they're just listening and they're, nobody's really going to do anything about it. And, and especially for a relief pitcher, it's just not worth a huge package. Yeah. And so I I don't think so. Rich Hill, I really wish he would have been traded before game three so that we didn't have to do this. Um, did you listen to... I, I told you about the episode where I went off on him. I don't know if I heard that one. Okay, okay. But, I mean, Rich Rich Hill, I, just from watching the third game of the series, he kind of seems like the guy who's sitting out on his front porch yelling at people to get off of his lawn. He just does not seem <laughs> like he is the nicest fella in the world. Not on game day. <laughs> no. Not on game day. No, he's a jerk. <laughs> you can go back, um, I think, maybe a week ago or or more. Um, I said all I needed to say. For- I, I said too much because I got mad and I let it escalate where I was at. And so I definitely overshared. For, for what it's worth, <laughs> watching the Phillies broadcast on this game, uh, the Phillies, specifically Ruben Amaro Jr., you know, the guy who was the architect of the Phillies winning the World Series in 2008, um, he was pretty convinced that the Pirates were going to look to deal Rich Hill and Hedges, and this was going to be the last time that you were going to see them yep. in a Pirates uniform. Yep. Together. They will yep. go together as a package, and we will all be better for that. Yeah, because he was saying he was saying that uh, the Pirates came out pretty clearly and said that Davis is going to be catching more in the second mm-hmm. half of the season, and that doesn't happen if you still have Hedges. Yeah, and there has been talks about that. And even though they've said, even with Hedges, it, it'll happen. There is Hedges, for me, is not the same as Rich Hill. Hedges can't hit, but there is value there. If I'm getting Andy Rodriguez catching almost every day, Henry Davis getting opportunities to catch as well with hedges there to pour into what they're doing behind the plate. Don't talk about a bat at all, but if he just talks about the tools of ignorance and what happens behind the dish, I would be, I would be happy to have hedges there for that. If he's, if he's only playing one game a week. Well, it was a perfect, it was a perfect pirates game plan. Cause what did, what did Hill pitch five innings? And, and then they're getting. And as soon as as soon as hedge as soon as Hill pitches the five innings, then you get Hedges out of there. Yep. He only hurts you with one at bat, right? One and, at bat. Yep. Wipe your hands. You say, okay, we got what we expected out of him. He was with his pitcher. We're good. I just got a pop up on my from the MLB page that I have a virus. Oh man, I don't like that. No. Not very happy about seeing that pop up right now. Closed out. We're all good. Not sure what happened there. Pretty ticked off. 
Pretty ticked off. Okay. Not, yeah. <laughs> and Andy Rodriguez came in and struck out twice in, in, in replacement for Austin Edges. So, you know, it is that. Um, I mean, I, won- I wonder right now if people view Hedges the same way that they view Nick Castellanos and Trey Turner right now. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> it isn't. Trust me. Those two are not that bad. By by the way, don't don't get me wrong. I think the Castellanos <laughs> and I think that Turner, while he is having a really bad year, is I'm not ready to just sell the farm on him. I think that he's gonna turn it around. He has way too much of a track record for it. Yeah. Um well and you've got ten years of this, so yeah, eventually he'll be good. Yeah, buckle in, guys. <laughs> Let's see what happens. <laughs> you've got ten years for him to turn it around, so uh, okay, so let's go. Let's let's do the Henry Davis play. Let's do the play where there was a fly ball. Um, do we have to? Yeah, I mean, yeah, we have to. We have to. This was a great <laughs> moment for for Pirates fans. Yeah. Um, I'll start with what I thought at the very end. What a lonely place to be for Alec Bohm standing at second base after that play, just shaking his head. Because he's the only one that had the opportunity to stay on the field <laughs> in that play. And yet, I mean, he didn't cause a fly out, but he caused the play to happen. Yep. If He has to watch the guy in front of him. So Bryce Harper, thrown out at second, trying to get a double. Um, I like the aggressiveness there. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know what Henry Davis is packing out there. Yep. Um, and that's a... That's a pretty normal thing for Bryce Harper to do, to be aggressive on the base paths. And more often than not, it works out for him. And Philadelphia sports fans love him for it. Yeah, you have one out there. The aggressiveness to get into scoring position with one out rather than being at first. If there's nobody out, you shut it down maybe. You know what I'm saying? You see what you can do. But with one out, get in scoring position. You're not. It's not like you're ending the inning there. You know what I mean? I think that that's probably even a smart move there. He has to make a great throw, and he does. Mm-hmm. Learn from that. Davis isn't necessarily shallow right field on Mm-mm. this fly ball. No, and you could see Harper. He he looked. If the throw was, if the throw looked good, he has to shut it down. Yep. I saw a couple tweets saying, "Boy, if he just continues going, that throws up the line." I think the velocity. I think he's still out. He was still hosed by ten feet. I, I, I mean, think so. I mean, Harper made the right decision. Uh, yeah. He filed that away in his brain of who was going to throw the ball. Yeah. And Davis threw a seed. It's not, like you said, it's not like he was playing shallow. Uh, I would assume that any fly ball that was hitting of that depth, hit of that depth with Bryce Harper and how he moves on the base paths, I would assume that he would score. I was not expecting that level of a throw from right field at that moment. And he made the right decision. But I I can't fathom in my brain, and it was... <laughs> I was watching the Phillies post-game uh, report on this, and they were arguing back and forth about whether or not this was Bryce Harper's fault, whether or not it was Alec Bohm's fault. Oh, my gosh. And the one guy was like, what are you even talking about? It's 100% Alec Bohm's fault. His eyes need to be on the runner who is in front of him. Yeah, every time. Every second. He can't go or do anything. And then he says, to make matters worse, when Bryce Harper ran home, Bohm needs to be on third, yeah. not hanging out at second base. I think if he goes to third at the end of that play, they get a triple play. That'd be the most <laughs> Phillies thing that would have happened during the series. <laughs> and he just sat there on second for the whole next at bat. And I have to, like, that had to be so lonely. Yeah. Being out there. And you could, like, every time they showed him, he's shaking his head no. Like, yep. I know that I know that I did that. Yep. <laughs> you know what I mean? And there was, I mean, especially, especially as a Phillies fan watching that, like, again, I'll make, I'll make a note second and third. No outs. Yeah. And they don't have the ability to situationally hit to at least get one run in. It's it's mind numbing. But then also, I mean, this is this is a thing that has been probably a Philadelphia thing over the last two years 
of, you know, you've got uh, everyone ragging on the Phillies defense, all of this other stuff, but the Phillies aren't necessarily an especially intelligent team. They're, they're just not. The amount of things that happen, I mean, I specifically remember in the World Series, there's a throw that's over to Reese Hoskins on first base and it hits him in the palm of his glove, easy out, and he just drops it. Uh, the biggest mm-hmm. difference, the biggest difference that I noticed, which I think Reese Hoskins being out for the Phillies hurts them in so many different ways, but Stud. I, the Phillies just don't have confidence right now. I mean, you see it with Cassianos does not have any confidence right now. Trey Turner has not had confidence throughout the entirety of the se- the season. You see that play that. Um, I mean, Phillies were up four to two in this game against the Pirates in game three, and they just gave them so many opportunities to come back in the game. They had that pop up when Gregory Soto was pitching that should have been an easy out, second out of the inning. And, you know, Turner and, and Mundo Sosa, they both call it and they drop it. Yeah. And I mean, those are those are just things that happen, I think, when people are thinking they're defeated right from the moment that they start playing. And to see to see Soto's reaction, to see Turner's reaction to all of that stuff, like it just had the recipe of, yeah, you guys aren't thinking that you're gonna win this game. And and they didn't. But I mean that's just it it was unsurprising. Hmm. But man, that Henry Davis throw was yeah. a seed. Yeah, it was. It was a seed. Three hits in this game from Josh Palacios, including the walk-off home run. Now, I talked to Jake, just so you guys get another opinion here. (laughs) And Jake says, if you hit a walk-off home run, you can do whatever you want. But last on last show we had here, we talked about Palacios, who had just hit a walk-off home run in Indianapolis. And he starts off with the bat flip. First off, Nobody has a problem with bat flips these days unless yep. you're not normal. Like, as far as the players. Like, the, the players on the other team, they, that's not even a thing anymore. Then he tells everybody the game's over. He looks back at his bench and tells them the game's over. And then he's running around excited. But then he decides, I'm going to dance before I get to third. Now, I know that Tatis started this little step-step thing, whatever. I, I'm crediting Tatis for that. I don't really know if he was the first. But this guy takes it another to another level. And then he goes in and he, he gritties. And it's like, that would have been fun. And then he does the basketball shoot. Yep. And then he goes in, he starts ripping it. And, and, and the one in Indy, he took his shirt. Nobody pulled it off of him. He did it himself. <laughs> right? Just wants to show off the show bod. Whatever. Yeah, why not, right? <laughs> and I was like, well, you know, maybe a bit much. And then he hits a practically the same week hits a walk-off home run in the show <laughs> all of that is very recent in his memory and he basically does it all for those who didn't get to see the one in Indianapolis um and a little bit extra uh, except he doesn't rip his shirt off he is he's an interesting dude um certainly wouldn't be my play to do all of that um I like the dance down the third baseline. Like, you just hit a walk-off home run, man. You should be excited. You should be celebrating with your team. The dance is around third, I think, for me. Or <laughs> just Let's just get in. and Get get to your team and, and do your celebration. Go and do your team. I mean, I'll support this. Josh Palacios is not hurting for confidence right now. <laughs> There's no way. Uh, he, is, he is not hurting for confidence for a guy that has career 85 games in the big leagues. Um, I, I have no problem... With this being his moment, yeah, uh, I I was actually thinking through that. I'm I'm of the same opinion. Flip the bat, that's cool. Admire it if you know it's gone. You won the game. Talk to your dugout. That's fine. I mean, I, Reese Hoskins spiking the bat in the playoffs is one of the greatest memories that I have. And like, <laughs> I thought that was a little bit over the line, but I'm I'm more of a purist on that. Uh, again, catcher, I was totally fine with throwing at people when they showed people up on our team. Uh, that wasn't a big deal for me. Um, but as he's going around, circles around third base, stops, does the gritty, and all I'm thinking in my head is, you just go home. You won, you won the game. You don't, you don't need to do this. And then I thought, 
Why am I mad? Yeah. <laughs> Is it because he's doing the gritty down at third base but like, line? <laughs> yeah, like, why am I mad? The Phillies had every opportunity yeah. to win this game. I shouldn't be mad that this guy is having his moment and he won this game. If we didn't want him to dance around third base, if we didn't want him to do the gritty going home, if we didn't want him shooting a fadeaway before he got to home plate, win the game. Get him out. I mean, this is yep. it's pretty simple. Uh, you were up 4-2. to two. Uh, You made awful fielding plays. You had two errors that cost you runs to tie the game. Like, mm-hmm. if you didn't want that to happen, play better. So I ended up not being upset about it. Yeah. It was fine. It was his moment. Reynolds hits a big home run in this game. That's obviously a good thing for Pirates fans. It seemed like he kind of turned a corner. We talked about it last series. I'm starting to do that, uh, a little more of that in this series. Um, two more hits on in Sunday's game. Two hits for Connor Joe. Two hits for Triolo. So they were out there. Big shout out to Triolo though, having the walk up music being Jimmy Eat World. Yeah, the sweetness, I'm, man. I'm all love for that. It. Yeah, love it. It's my favorite part of his game so far. <laughs> <laughs> also, Connor Joe at first, like Triolo makes the dive to set up all the Henry Davis stuff. I mean, all of this is really interesting. That's a catchable ball at first. It's not going to be an out, but he doesn't have to give everybody the extra bases. Now, granted, like I said, that set up the whole thing. So. I guess it is what it is. Yep. Did you think Kutch was going to do it? Did you think the game was over when Kutch was up? Um, no. Um, this is the one thing that we will. I mean, we love everyone in this series loves Kutch. I I love yeah. Andrew McCutcheon. Uh, he oozes swag. Like one of my favorite pictures ever is. Andrew McCutcheon with a chain down around his neck with being unbuttoned about yeah. halfway, yeah. wearing, I think he was wearing the Phillies powder blue with the maroon, and I was just like, he is the coolest baseball player <laughs> I've ever seen in my life. Uncle Larry really came out in Philly. Like, that was where that whole thing started. We didn't even have that the first time. Yeah. I don't think we've even had it since, but um, that's a lot of uh, McCutcheon. But man, I yeah, I love Andrew McCutcheon. He's... He's fantastic. Um, but yeah, I I felt like Kimbrell was gonna was gonna get the Phillies out of that inning. Uh he's been really solid for the Phillies, especially after the first couple of weeks and when he settled into the closer role. Uh but I mean it the Phillies bullpen has the best team ERA in July. Um and the Phillies bullpen was atrocious this series. Um, they were, they were not great. Um, which I think frankly comes from a lot of mismanagement in, in the games. Like, I don't understand why you take out a guy who has a sub three ERA, who is your starting pitcher. Granted, he's, he's your five pitcher. Um, but he has a no hitter going yeah. into the fifth inning. And I know you might want to get Sir Anthony Dominguez. Too. Yeah. Like you might want to get Sir Anthony Dominguez some, some non-stressful innings so that he can get some confidence back. But that was just an awful move, especially when they had a short when they had a when they had a short bullpen this game because of what Aaron Nola did during the second game. I mean, they were they were really operating from behind in the way that they managed their pitching staff. So I mean, imagine imagine my excitement seeing Andrew Vasquez coming out in the 10th inning. I mean, the only person I was more happy that it wasn't was Dylan Covey because he's awful. <laughs> but, I mean, this is scraping the bottom of the barrel for the Phillies in the bottom of the 10th. Um, so, I mean, but, yeah, I felt I felt confident with Kimbrell. Um, but, again, play better. Palacios doesn't hit a walk-off home run. Yeah. Um, we are close to our time. I have one more thing that I just have to bring up. If I didn't, and Jake didn't say this, but if I didn't, he would say, why didn't you had this opportunity in, uh, in the first two games of this series, we had Jack Sawinski batting lead off. Mm-hmm. And this has been a thing that we've been doing a lot of. And the biggest comparison 
right now is Kyle Schwarber. Yep. Now, granted, Swinski's having a better year, I would say. I mean, if you look at the 225 versus the 186 and the 846 OPS versus the 754. Um, Schwarber's home run came in game one, right? Yep. He's got 27, so that's more than than Swinski. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna look at the I'm gonna look at the last one. I mean, we know the OPS from Swinsky's higher. Just do me a favor and don't look at war. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Um I wanted to see the on base. So yeah, he's even 20 24 points higher on the on base. Sawinski is. Yep. How in the world are we supposed to feel about Jack Sawinski being a leadoff guy? So one of the greatest stats that I've seen about Kyle Schwarber hitting leadoff or just hitting in general is that Schwarber's slugging percentage on the first pitch of at-bats is like 850 plus. The greatest thing that having Kyle Schwarber hitting leadoff for your team is it starts the pitcher off with knowing that there is a real threat and they have to make their first couple of pitches mean something. Uh, The amount of times that I've seen Schwarber just ambush the starting pitcher to hit a leadoff home run, which I don't have that stat here right now. Um, but he has had a ton of leadoff home runs um, this season. And I think that that just puts, that puts a, a level of pressure on your, on your starting pitcher right at the beginning of the game. Because uh, Philly's commentators, Philly's broadcast was saying the exact same thing about Sawinski of just saying, I mean, they were, I think they were essentially calling it the Pirates were using the Kyle Schwarber tactic. Um, What's yeah. interesting to me is I would think that it was the fact that they watch a lot of pitches. And it's, it's interesting to hear... Now, I, w- I will say this. The fact that Kyle Schwarber is hitting 185 and still has an OBP that is a good 130 or 140 higher than his batting average is still a lot of credit to him. I mean, you don't want a guy who has an on-base percentage that's like 320 as your leadoff hitter. Um, but I do think that, that that causes a starting pitcher to think in a different way. I am pulling up um, the Schwarber splits to see the same things I'm looking at for for Jack Swinski real quick because there is a um, first batter of, of the game. Schwarber has six home runs. To lead off an inning, he has 10. Uh, Swinski doesn't have the leadoff home run yet. Now, granted, he he hasn't been he hasn't hit first as much. 52 games for Schwarber and just 15 games for for Sawinski. But Sawinski has led off six different innings with a home run this season. So it's not far from uh, from Schwarber's 10, and he's done it in 57 times he's led off an inning and Schwarber 80. So you kind of looks like, no, I'm sorry, 74 plate appearances for Sawinski, 131 for Schwarber. Plate appearances where he let off the inning. So, I mean, you could assume, give him 52 games at the leadoff, maybe Sawinski runs into a few yeah. and has that same effect. I mean, biggest biggest difference that I see is who's hitting behind Sawinski. Reynolds, and if he's not going well... <laughs> <laughs> well, and and that was that was always the huge benefit of having a guy like Kyle Schwarber who's hitting first because at least last year you had Reese Hoskins who was a thirty-plus home run guy who sees a lot of pitches hitting behind him. Um, hitting behind that, you still have Bryce Harper, you still have JT Real Muto, you still have Nick Castellanos, and I am really interested to see how uh, the Sawinski batting leadoff experiment goes. Um, because I mean, just the Pirates don't have the same depth of a lineup that's behind Sawinski, right? Um, so I wonder how many pitches he sees in that position. 
swung at first pitch. Uh, Schwarber's OPS is 1.016 when he swings at the first pitch. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean he makes contact, right? Yeah. Um, 9.47 for Jack Sawinski. So, and he does have six home runs swinging at the first pitch. Hmm. 14 for Schwarber. So, I mean... Now, he swung at the first pitch way less times than Schwarber has, so maybe that's part that we'd like to see more of. It does kind of have a little bit of that. I wonder how much of that would be um, would be the same for people. I mean, if you're swinging at the first pitch, you probably like it. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you this. The, the game where Schwarber did his most damage was the first game of the series. Hit a double his first at-bat, first pitch. His yeah. two-run home run, first pitch. Well, let me let me let me throw this at you though, and this is what frustrates me. Schwarber with runners in scoring position, he's at 110 plate appearances. His on base is 364. He's hitting 209, OPS 864. Jack Swinski with runners in scoring position, 89 plate appearances. So not quite as many, but close. 393 on base, which is Still 30 points higher, 286 average, 993 OPS. If he's that, he still looks like he looks better in those scenarios. I just want him hitting fifth. A lot of, lot of swing and miss with Kyle Schwarber. Uh, you get the same a lot, thing. A lot of boomer bust. Yeah, you get um, the same thing from Jack Sawinski. And that's why we keep comparing it, but... He's hitting 196 with an on-base of 255 in the leadoff. Now, granted, that's 15 games. But batting fifth in 25 games, 326 with a 444 on base. I mean, I just I don't I don't know how I, I don't know how he's not batting fifth every day. I mean, mm-hmm. he's just the better, he's better there. They're looking for a leadoff. I still don't I I don't get it. Uh, maybe Schwarber sets the tone a little better for for the Phillies. I think maybe the depth of the lineup speaks volumes. Um Schwarber's batting leadoff, but when you guys have guys like Alec Bohm hitting fifth, actually in this game, it's Trey Turner. Um, Stott in game two. Stott in... So, I mean, like, when you have other guys that can fill out that lineup, but you got Real Muto batting six. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, I I don't... I don't know. That is where the Phillies struggle. Um, Because there are some guys that are run producers, you know? And the best situational hitters that the Phillies have are Bryson Stott and Alec Bohm. Uh, they're the guys that when they're in a position, they will get the bat on the ball and they will get the runners in. Um, the other ones, like I said, lots of swing and miss, at least right now. Um, so I do think that there there is some of that to to just think about the makeup of of the batter. But, I mean, also, Schwarber's kind of taken up the mantle for Reese Hoskins this year. He's, I mean, Schwarber's always been a really good clubhouse guy, a good leader in the clubhouse, um, but he's mm-hmm. kind of carried that voice right now. So I don't think that it's a bad thing when you have that guy who's kind of your talisman of just like, hey, I'm yeah. your guy. Here I am. Especially, especially when he hits a home run leading off the game, you're just like, all right, cool. We're cooking We're now. Yeah. We're gonna win. Yeah, and I I wonder too. I mean, with the swing and miss, if you got a guy on third, maybe you don't want him up in that moment. Yep. Where you'd you'd want a guy who's who's got better contact. Um, that that's a good point. It it really is the depth of the lineup to me that makes the biggest difference. Um, hey man, this was a lot of fun. It was fun. Thanks for having me, man. This is the most Phillies uh, stuff you guys are gonna get. Yeah, it was good but, hanging out with you guys. <laughs> Yin's guys. You gotta oh, get sorry. it right. No, it's used guys it's, in Philly. It's Yin's guys. <laughs> you gotta get it right. <laughs> um, Pirates have a day off today. If you're listening to this on Monday, otherwise there's two against the Tigers. Then they go to Milwaukee for four. Um, the, it doesn't matter. We just need to play well. Uh, <laughs> just think of it like, oh, we're playing Milwaukee. Like, who cares? We're not. Gonna, we're not going for the division. Yep. So. Um, Trade deadline coming up. It's on Tuesday, so the, the team might look a little bit different. Crossing my fingers. <laughs> Crossing my fingers that that Rich Hill has pitched his last game in a Pirates uniform. I 
I haven't been, I haven't really felt this strongly about getting a guy out of our clubhouse. Not even really clubhouse, but I can't say out of the lineup. So for him out of the rotation, but it was Yoshi for me. Yeah. Uh, getting him off the field and out of the lineup. But, um, but anyway, this was a lot of fun. Yeah, man. Um, thanks for sitting in for Jake. Absolutely. And dropping some wisdom on some people. Yeah. Um, we have, uh, I have got a lot of, so we've already played Cleveland. We've got a lot of Cincinnati fans uh, that are friends of ours around here. So if you guys like this sort of thing, let me know. We can, uh, we can kind of make that happen. Got to hit my music there. Get hype music. Get hype music. Yeah. All of that stuff. So, all right, that's it. Let's go Bucks. And what do you say? I is there a thing? Like, we always say, let's go Bucks. What is the thing? Is it like, here we go, Phillies, or is it better than that? No, I w- I'd assume it's better than that, but, I mean, it's probably it's probably not that. P-H-I. <laughs> yeah. I mean, fighting Phils, though, but they spell it with the P-H, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We're out of here. Thanks for listening to my dad and Uncle Jake on the Bridge to Bucktober podcast. Follow them on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Bridge the Number Two Bucktober. Don't forget to subscribe so you know when new episodes are released. Clear the deck, cannonball coming, and let's go, Bucks!